0: Welcome to Seth's Show, everyone, the podcast where two guys made it so they could talk to each other in their free
1: time. Uh, I'm Andrew. And I'm Scotty.
0: All right, so what are we talking about today, Scotty?
1: Um, I believe we are going to discuss college, what colleges to choose, how to get in there, uh, the general path to medicine, and, and overall, what should you do with your college experience to get you to medical school? All right. Andrew, hey, how are you feeling after this first foundations exam? Pretty good. I'm actually flying pretty high. Uh
0: did really well. That's so, funny. couldn't couldn't really ask for better. Uh just going to take the rest of the day off to myself.
1: What about you? Um I did better than most of my exams in anatomy. Not quite what I wanted to do, which is a little disappointing, <laughs> but what I did miss was Either like oh, I second guess myself for that. So I feel good. Um, just speaking, you know, trying to tiptoe between UK's rules here. Foundations is like most of what I did in college. So um Oh same. I felt very comfortable in the beginning mm-hmm. of this class. So that's yeah, I like it a lot better just because it's what I spent my time doing in college, which is why this is such a good episode to talk about about college and about what we did and whatnot. Ah-, uh-huh, so there we go. That's how we're roping the theme in. that's yeah, and I mean, because it is important because um just talking to some of my classmates and talking to some to the some of the m twos, it's like what they did in college influenced a lot of what classes so far they've liked since up on this campus. Mm-hmm. Nobody's farther than an m two yet, yeah,
0: I mean, I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of med students that I, I that are in my cohort. Where they uh, they had like a bunch of anatomy classes going into uh, going into medical school, and so anatomy for them was a lot less challenging, and they were able to enjoy themselves a lot more with it. Whereas uh, me and you, we really didn't have that much anatomy, so it was all just mm, how many muscles can I fit in my head in a span of a day.
1: <laughs> Yeah, um uh, I so some of the some of the M2s before anatomy and they were like, "Oh, you're going to wish you were back in anatomy when foundation starts." And uh, uh, I was like, I "Oh god. Oh god, that would be awful cuz I just like you said, I didn't I was told not to take anatomy. I said they I was told by a lot of people, "Take it to medical school. It won't even be on the same level." Uh, and just wait. And I think yeah, you've been around me when we were given that advice and Overall, mm-hmm. I would say that that wasn't true. I would say that the people who had a general knowledge of body directions and where things mm-hmm. were had a, definitely a leg up to me. I would say that. Yeah. I mean, like, don't don't overload yourself
0: with anatomy because it, it's a small block in medical school. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, if you if you have like some extra time and a schedule and you're taking some things to like kind of get you prepared in your senior year, eh, take an anatomy class couldn't hurt
1: yeah uh, i and then um now that we're in it uh, i was talking to um let's just call her Kay. I'm, let's not and I was like, <laughs> hey Kay, um i feel like a lot more confident than i feel like i should be you know is this normal because they told us told us to be scared oh no I, I i had a ton of biochemistry a ton of biology in in college i felt the same way you did and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that makes me feel better." So yeah. it does seem like what background people had it, it influences what classes they they prefer. So that's reassuring. Yeah. Well,
0: let's uh, let's go ahead and start talking about our background then.
1: So, okay. See, we <laughs> we talked about our back quote unquote background. I I really feel like we didn't do a great job, but I think as these episodes kind of come out, it'll be more and more obvious what we did. But um. I yeah. do feel our background. <laughs> so there's some, uh
0: there's some return on uh, there's some there's some uh, people are getting returns for uh, for their time spent listening. <laughs> yeah, put together the puzzle
1: that is our background. Yeah, I mean you know, it was our first episode. I'm not going to beat myself up over a, a pretty anorexic first episode of a podcast. I Don't even. I had to figure out how to edit it. I just, like, had like how to use GarageBand. So I'm not gonna. But yeah, so um, this is a thing that I'm really passionate about because in Appalachia, where I'm from, um, you know, I said in the first podcast, there was no information. So my goal was to give information. So this is something I have done a lot talk about, like, what kind of colleges. I get people ask me, what size school should I go to? What kind of school? What should I major in? And um, I think we should go ahead and start talking about that. What influenced your decision to come to UK? I know we previously talked about money was your big thing, but uh, what did you was, really find appealing? Was the biggest factor. Yeah, what did you find appealing about your alma mater? What would you change? If you were high school you, how mm-hmm. would you pitch your decision to high school you?
0: All right, well, uh, I would say that besides, besides the money aspect, We'll go ahead and put that one off off to the side. UK has a lot going for it as far as um, there is several, several, several different fields all concentrated on one campus. Like we have a law school, we have a medical school, we have uh, pharmaceutical research, we have uh, chemistry research going on, biochemistry research. Everything you could imagine is on this campus. uh, Plus, like then that's just STEM. You know, you got arts and everything alongside that. So we have an immense amount of diversity and resources as far as what you could do to enrich yourself academically. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that is probably, uh,
0: probably paramount to what I wanted out of college. Because you want to be able to get... Um, uh, you know, biochemistry was what I went in for. Right. But the uh, the fact that I could just be like, mm, you know what? I want to take a, a philosophy class. I want to take a, I want to take a dance class, something like that, just just to see what the field's like. That was always really fun to me.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I think if so, high school, Scotty, me talking to me before. Mm-hmm. I was just interested in getting into college, which was like I had mentioned is kind of a no one in my family had really done it. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just a, getting there and paying for it was a big concern. But now I have a very different opinion, even though it ends up coming to the same answer. Is So let me let me just cause this. This is advice and I want high school students to yield it. But if you have an opportunity to go to college, you you're ready to learn something. Even if in the end it doesn't end up being medicine, go to college. It doesn't matter what size. It doesn't matter where. It doesn't matter if it's community college. Get your education. I want everyone listening to know, you know, do that. But there are some challenges when you talk about the medical field. And this is something I've noticed. I actually had a conversation. I was in a big study session with some of our guys. Mm -hmm. And, And small schools have their disadvantages when you talk about college um i'm I'm not gonna name this college's name my girlfriend is like a half alma mater from this place and um it was really small they had like half of the students i had in my high school we had a high school about 1200 people so it was about six 500 people there's nothing wrong with small schools just in general but in terms of medicine when you have departments that don't really exist in a school like you know maybe biology's three professors maybe chemistry it isn't a department it's just a class taught by a couple people every other semester what can really happen is you put yourself in a bind to get the classes that you need for, to go to medical school not considering even if you're interested in you know taking more advanced stuff maybe you think it'll help you i will definitely say that the advanced classes that i've had and cellular biology showed up this morning on that exam. Um, oh yeah. So that could be a problem is you get to these schools and they just don't have what you need, or if they have mm-hmm. it, it's at a time that doesn't work for you.
0: Or even if it's at a time that works for you, it's going to be of lesser quality because instead of being taught by, like say you're taking a physics class, instead of taking it from, uh, from someone who's an expert in, um, uh, physics you're taking it from the math guy who just so happened to have a physics minor whenever he um uh, you know went into his his graduate program or he went into uh, his graduate program and did a field that kind of like is mathematical physics you know Mm -hmm. and so he just decided to teach physics too
1: yeah and and that's a good point because i see a lot of that in
0: smaller schools
1: yeah departmental hierarchies are um this is like kind of big picture but a big thing because if a professor and I don't think this happens as much in STEM. People generally know, but if you pretend mm-hmm. like you're saying stuff out there that just isn't true or you're not being quality, um you have advisors and um department chairs, like they'll catch it, they'll be like, Hey, you, you gotta stop that, or they'll they'll change the professor system. But if you have like three people and, and they might be good professors, you know, I'm not gonna say that just because there's not many means that they're bad, but you know mm-hmm. you can you can lose that oversight sometimes, so that, that's a big thing to worry yeah. about,
0: though uh, since we've been dogging on them a little <laughs> bit, uh, I just want to throw some positives out there because i know I know a few people who went to smaller colleges and they had an absolutely excellent experience. Uh, the thing is though they were they were smaller colleges that were a lot more pricey, so take that mm-hmm. as you will, um, yeah. Yeah, with smaller colleges, there's there's always the the side of, oh well, you have smaller class sizes because I mean our classes at UK the, the lower down ones where you're like talking about the 100 levels instead of the 400 levels, uh, the 100 level classes which are your entries, they can have like 300 people in one lecture room. Hmm. I, mean, I mean surprisingly not anymore with with COVID and everything. <laughs> you got like 10 people in, in a room that size spread out. Uh, and the rest watching online, but uh, yeah, so, so that's going on. Uh, and then with smaller schools, you're gonna have like forty to fifty people in uh, in one of your uh, entry level classes, and so there's a lot tighter knit of a group. And the professors will actually know your face roughly, <laughs> and you can make a you can make a connection with them. Which isn't to say you can't do that in large schools, because Scott, you've made quite a few connections with teachers in in uh, at UK, and like good connections too. Uh, just because you go up and talk to them consistently, and not a lot of kids in a large school do that. Yeah, in a think- Small school, it tends to be a little bit easier, but also weigh that with if you go into a very small school. I'm talking like an Ivy League. Um, everyone wants to make a connection with the teacher. Mm-hmm. So there's a hearty balance. You got to, you got to strike somewhere in here.
1: You, 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 I don't know if you ever had a debate class, but you, you pulled the debate thing where you gave your side and then you just, you. So, well, my opponent's going to say this, but yeah, no, that would be my counter argument is that I would always go up to professors if, if mm-hmm. I kind of like how they were, you know, like something about them yeah, and that so. ended up making me, um, very good friends with, uh, who is currently the undergrad, um, director of biology, which is not a small, um, obviously I'm from UK, but you know, I'm just not going to name anybody. Um, unfortunately it might be easy to figure out who she is now, but, um, I, I, there's a powerful friend. She wrote, um, some of my, uh, letters of recommendation for my, uh, my med school applications but and what also helped i'll say is because i had a friend from the pet program we mentioned last episode and through that person i made a lot of friends who um who may or may not have been sitting on the medical school board of admissions now of course they have to leave you can't have conflicts of interest but yeah, um quite a bit of them were sitting on the board at one point or another so yeah um. so uh, I guess our next point, you know, uh, another yeah, thing no, about you. influencing factors and why we chose what we chose. I do want to mention one more thing is big or small medium. You know, uh, if you worried about money, I'd suggest going to a medium sized school, but the biggest thing I want anyone listening to consider is what opportunities you're going to have. If you are going to, one of the most prestigious private schools in the country, no one even knows the name, alma maters are in the thousands and not the hundreds of thousands, and there's not a hospital around you if there's no community service around you, Mm -hmm. you're going to only be as impressive as your GPA, and that's not going to take you very far. So I want you to consider, you know, we, we obviously don't have great opinions on small school, but if you're in a small school that's like, Thirty five hundred yards away. That's kind of that's yeah. a stupid measurement. If you're like <laughs> near five hospitals, then there's no complaining because even if the school maybe doesn't have those opportunities, you can go make them yourself. That's what I did. Yeah,
0: definitely. Just figure out, if you are going to go to a, a very condensed school, a very small school, just figure out how you're going to be able to bolster your application in uh in congruence with whatever you're doing in your school work because like scotty said um your gpa won't take you that far most most med schools as far as like state med schools they uh they see the gpa and as long as it's within like a certain parameter they're like all right kid can make grades that's mm. that's fine the very next thing they look at um uh besides MCAT score and grades which is all just a range type deal they look at your uh, they look at your extracurriculars and exactly why you did them and exactly how they impacted you cuz they want to know what kind of person you are
1: yeah we're definitely going to swing back to you know extracurriculars uh here in a bit but um i will say that you know um my MCAT score wasn't good i didn't have a great MCAT score but because I had done right? these extracurriculars, and my grades were so good um well they were they were all right they they were pretty good, but um you know what you showed them that you know I'm solid in the, I was solid in the classroom in college, mm-hmm. um, I had the extracurriculars and and not just a lot of them. I didn't have a ton of extracurriculars, but I had yeah. hundreds of hours into the extracurriculars that I chosen. Mm So it showed a loyalty and you can go around to, um, you know, you can do three hours of volunteering. You can, you know, join a club, not be any leadership, you know, for one Mm -hmm. year, you know, that's not that impressive. So again, this is going to come out more with extracurriculars, but um, just don't do stuff because you think it'll make you look good because it won't. If you, if they ask you a question, you don't know anything about it. It won't matter the time you spent in there. It was obvious it wasn't worth it. Mm -hmm. So I caution people to not just do extra care. find what you like. And this, this is going to go into my next point. We're going to talk about why we chose our majors. Um, And I, I mentioned this last episode, choose the major that you want because medical school takes all kinds. Andrew, why did you choose your major in college? So, uh, here's the reason I chose mine.
2: The, uh, my experience in high school
0: was, uh, not very, uh, not very appealing as far as the sciences go. You know, uh, I was good at them, but it was never, it was never to the point where, uh,
2: science teachers were like striking awe into me um uh,
0: i would sit through the class and be like yep yep that's that's cool man gas expands good good for it and then uh, and then going home i would like see some stuff online that was science related and i'd be like whoa that's really cool and uh had a finally had a chemistry teacher who whenever she taught it was it was a good mix of, yeah, I got the stuff I was supposed to learn out of chemistry, but also she made it really appealing. Best chemistry teacher I've ever had. Um, uh, or best science teacher I've ever had in the high school setting. Won't say best chemistry teacher I've ever
2: had. College is full of good ones. But anyway, so uh,
0: so in high school having her, I was like, that's – that's really cool. I think, I think I want to do chemistry. I think I want to like go into like a chemistry type major. And since I was already looking at medicine, I'm like, all right, well, how do I fuse the two? And biochemistry just kind of seemed to naturally fall out of that. So, uh, that's, that's what I decided I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But when I went into college, I I signed up as a biology major because it would still be the same classes for the first year. And I wasn't sure if I could handle the amount of uh, math that chemistry wanted me to do oh my because goodness. it was three it was three semesters of uh, three semesters of calculus, and I had not done so hot in calculus during high school. So I decided to go to go with a biology major first. And once I passed my uh, my first two calculus classes with stellar grades, I was like, okay, yeah, I can do calculus. I just was dumb in high school and didn't study. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I can I say if there's one thing that anyone knows about you, it's that you are pretty good at math, Andrew. No, no <laughs> so it was it's funny to to hear that because it's it's so far away now because we did enter biology together. I was going to quiz you. I was like, hold on, you didn't start as no chemistry major. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was my goal, but I had to had to do some some uh, some subterfuge first. I had to had to be a biology major for a little bit and dip my toe into that. Nice peeling chemistry water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, but I figured I figured with a with a biochemistry major, I'd be able to look at medicine from the ground up. Mm-hmm. You know, humans are just a bunch of proteins that you're floating around and uh, have have some other chemicals mixed in, and and lipid bilayers and everything. So a lot of chemistry involved. So I was oh, like, yeah. all right, yeah, if I, if I get biochemistry, I can work from the ground up, which. We'll see how that pans out, that approach. <laughs>
1: but, Scotty, why are you a major? Oh, man. So, um, yeah, I guess in high school, I, didn't, I, had, I had one really good biology teacher and a really good chemistry teacher, too. Um, but um, I always loved science. You know, coming up, it was one of the things. And I think I had this moment when I was a junior. We just got a new biology teacher. I love this woman to death. I'm going to name drop her, like I got name drop the other one, Jen Hilton. If you're listening to this, thank you because you started a lot of this. Thank you. But we had her class, and it, it was um, it was called Accelerated Biology. We didn't have AP courses in my high school. There were none of them. There, I don't know if there is any now, but. Um, so I was foaming at the mouth because any science class, any any accelerated science or math class in my high school is on my transcript because I just foamed at the mouth for it. I loved it. And um we were doing um I think we were doing we were doing glucose catabolism. Obviously they want you to just know the very basics. Oh, this makes thirty four, this makes four, this makes two, and I kinda pushed myself to do a little bit better than that because I for some reason took I could have like relaxed in the class because it, it wasn't all that advanced because it was more advanced than the other classes. But just in my area and what that was like, um it wasn't really that advanced. But I do remember on the state biology test I did one of the best in the state. Definitely the best in my high school. I think I might have tied for the best just in case that other person's listening. I used to be good friends with them. But um and, and there was something when I sat down and studied the Krebs cycle in depth for no reason. No one prompted me to do this. And um, it, it actually almost more in depth than when I took biochemistry. And, and there was something that clicked. It was like, and they'll and they talk about clinical correlates is, is like, I loved the idea of figuring out why someone was sick, how to help someone through their issue. And then it hit me. If I turn off that enzyme, this person's going to become this. If I turn off that enzyme, that person's going to have these symptoms. And I was like, I really like figuring out these Lego pieces to to illness, which sounds a little, little macabre, but <laughs> it, it just it, everything in a system matters, which might have led me to want to do math or chemistry. But I really liked biology. So I'm, I was told, don't go into biology. Every pre-med is biology, blah, 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 blah. I was like, you know, I don't care because I love biology. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to do nothing else. At first, I had a minor of microbiology, which <laughs> would have taken me a little bit longer to finish. I don't think it would take me longer. Difficult classes. I was really good at photography. I, I got to be honest. I was pretty good at photography to not know what I was doing. And... um I, and then I saw that I would have to kind of be in the city a lot more. I didn't really want to do that. And then I then I picked physiology because I had – we both took this class together. We took an entry-level physiology course. Um, Not to brag, but I uh, was pretty good at it. I liked it a lot. Showed me some more of those pathways to the disease. Um, I took – a graduate level class in physiology than several more graduate physiologists. Like, you know, what? I really like this. So um, that just developed my love. I love physiology, biology. Um, and that's why I chose it. Um, but I, my advice to anyone listening is the, pr- the pre-med requirements, you know, like Bio 1, Bio 2, Chem 1. Mm-hmm. The chemistry ones are actually kind of extensive, though, so be careful of that. Cam One, Chem Two, Orgo One, Orgo I don't do they require Orgo Two? Because I don't know if they Yeah they I believe do they, they require do. Orgo Two. Yeah. Uh, biology majors usually don't require a second organic class if you're doing uh, a little bit so I have I have my made my degree is a Bachelor of Arts and Honors in Biology because in 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 that coursework I wouldn't have had to take Orgo 2 or biochemistry, but obviously you have to take biochemistry. So if you can get the prefix done with whatever major you want, do that major. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people say do biology because a lot of people have it. Uh, I'll say a lot of my medical school class is has degrees in biology.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's like the most common major. And if you look at like MCAT scores uh, for biology majors, the average is like, extremely low just because so many people go in with biology and just cool. dump through it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> with the DM cat. Yeah, it became it was surreal to so, so I, I think I, I can't be one hundred percent sure, but I feel like graduating with biology, there was about three hundred of I don't know for sure. Mm-hmm. But starting in biology there was five times more than we ended with because everyone was pre-med. It,
0: yeah, it was straight up like Fibonacci sequence with with the, yeah. uh, with the bio majors. Yeah. the chem majors like a lot of a lot of them were like, "Yeah, I know what I'm doing. I, I'm going into chemistry, and I know it's going to be horrible and hard." It seemed like a <laughs> lot of it seemed like a lot of the bio majors were like, "Oh, I, I, I want to go into biology because uh, because I, I just." Like seeing little critters, and um, uh, and you know, I, I wanna, I wanna be a, I wanna be a, a big doc someday. So, so I'll, I'll go into biology, and then they just get stomped by the science. Oh it's my like, god! You, it's like having a good heart is definitely a requirement of being a physician, but it's not the only requirement. You gotta be ready to get your hands dirty doing some hard science all yeah. the way through.
1: That's a that's a good way to wrap up this point, though, because. Going into bio, like I said, there was a lot of people that started, not a lot of people ended, but, and this is gonna, So we do have a viewer question. I'm excited about this. This is going to be a prelude to that, but, um, just cause, okay, this is, this is a big stereotype, but, uh, anytime you see a nursing major or a pre-med bio who just entered, they just got their fresh new MacBook. They got the... Some of them don't have coverage. They put the stickers on them. You're going to see Grey's Anatomy quotes four days up until the first midterm and Bio 1 and Chem 1. Then those you see people, Grey's Anatomy sticker uh, residue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a little bit mean. But but what happens is a lot of these people want to do medicine. They don't mm-hmm. know why they want to do it. And, and sometimes um, parents have a big role in this because um, uh, I was talking to – so I have two stories here. I was talking to one girl, I will not name, I will not initial her, but she was talking about how her parents wanted um, her to be a doctor. They wanted her to be a pharmacist, and mm-hmm. um, they were helicopter parents. So like, any little bump in the road for her was seen as, like, kind of, not a failure, but, like, they were like, well, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? It's almost like she failed at something, which, yeah, mom and dad, if you're listening, thank God you weren't like that. I couldn't have handled it. But. yeah. Okay. Um, and the other story is I was sitting in a, it it was a pretty advanced bio class too. So props to this girl. I hope you got in somewhere if you decided it's what you wanted to do. She was sitting in there and she was like, I hate this. I don't want to do this. I was like, okay, then stop doing it. You're, you're 21 years old. And uh, she said, my parents really want me to become a doctor. I just wanted to go to community college and get, um, uh, I think it was some kind of degree. It, w- it was a labor degree. And, um. And that, I was like, who, why, you know, why, you know, it, it, and so you want to do medicine. Like you're going to know where your passion is when things start getting really rough. Um. And, and that's a big part of it. In fact, uh, I'm going to bring us to our first viewer question. If you don't have any comments on that, Andrew. Uh,
0: I mean, I, I don't know what kind of comments I, I could make on that.
1: It, it it is sad, a helicopter parent. I don't like the idea. If you come okay. to college, you do it for you. You don't do it for anyone else. That's the best advice I could give you.
0: I mean, that's that can be hard. Um, uh, there are definitely um, uh, like cultural differences sometimes that lead to where uh, your parents have this expectation of you, and mm. it in in the culture it is you owe this to your parents to go and do that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so it, it's hard to tell someone, uh, "Oh, dude, just get over it. Just, dude, you're 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 old enough. You're in college. You know, do do what you want to do." It's, it's that that advice is like,
2: it's not something they haven't heard a million times, mm-hmm. but it is
0: still good advice. And if you can get away with like talking your parents off that ledge, and and being like, yeah, no, this is what I'm going to do. And yeah. hopefully hopefully, good things
1: come. That's a very fair point. Um, there are very obvious cultural differences. But I would say if you're going to college, um, do it for you. Um, and if you don't do it for you, I feel like you're either going to be miserable or uninterested. And neither one of those are a good thing when it comes to I heard holding higher education and holding someone's life in the palm of your hands. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Yeah. So we have, um, our first question from, uh, Micah. It says here, dear Show podcast, long time listener, first time caller, (laughs) a long time listener after one episode. (laughs) Very funny, Micah. I do appreciate that. I was wondering (laughs) if you all would talk about how to know if medicine is the right field to enter. Or perhaps how to seek out a mentor who can help facilitate a deeper understanding of medicine and y'all's experience with your mentors. XOXO. Very cute. Thank you, Micah. I appreciate that.
0: XOXO. Back to you, Micah.
1: This is actually a really good question. This is very thought-provoking because uh-huh. for me, it just felt so instant. So to explain to someone how I came to medicine is, is not actually an easy task. Do you want to take a Do you want to take a crack at this one? I mean, we uh we talked about that a little bit in the in the first
0: podcast of like um uh, why we chose medicine, but mm. uh, I'm taking the question as how we know that's right mm. for us, and the uh my answer to that is
2: like what whenever you're studying
0: what really like gets you ready to do more mm-hmm. um uh, are you the type to be like oh well you know i gotta do this so that i can so i can pass this class and have an a
2: and if that's your motivation eh,
0: that's a that's a fair motivation good grades are always nice or is your motivation I gotta do well in this class because eventually it'll get me to med school and once I get into med school, I'll finally be able to help people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: That's motivation. That's a great motivation. And that's that's part of what like that that's part of what drove me. Anytime I was nervous about a test or something, I'd be like, "All right, well, get through this test, and then I'm one step closer to helping people." That's what I'm gonna do. Um. And then another thing I'd like to say is, uh, when you're shadowing, shadowing is gonna be a big part of how you decide whether or not medicine is right for you
3: Mm. Uh,
0: and if you go into the shadowing and these doctors are talking over your head and saying these big complicated words like uh non-steroid anti-inflammatory drugs (laughs) which is just aspirin or something um uh if they're saying these big words stuff like that and you're like oh that's intimidating and you see uh you know, you see a guy cut open in surgery, or you see a you see a patient, uh, you know, with a with a catheter or something in, and you're like, oh, this is all icky. Medicine's probably not a good fit for you, as far as like the clinical side. Maybe, maybe going into like you know the pharmaceutics or research or pathology or something like that. Maybe that's more right. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like be in a room where medicine is happening on the forefront and think this is all cool this is special something is going on here these people are sick and hopefully they'll get better mm-hmm. and you need to be able to take in just everything about it uh, the the emotions uh, of like the patients you see, you see the you see some people with really interesting stories
2: and you see some people that have
0: gone down a, some some sort of path, and there's people with the interesting stories that you're going to be able to interact with. Those patients are awesome to have. and then uh, and then you're gonna see people that they've been in a motorcycle accident,
2: and the doctors are starting to think they have meningitis. And they can't talk for themselves. And so you just see their wife, hands in her head, wondering how this happened to her husband, who this was his first time going on like a biking adventure. And seeing all of that, you need to take it in and realize this is this is what medicine is like. And if that discourages you, it's not right for you.
3: Hmm.
0: But if that encourages you to work harder, to make people better, go
1: for it. So, I, I
0: think that's the best way I can sum up my thoughts.
1: That's a very somber message. And unfortunately, mine may be more somber and more aggressive. <laughs> so um, I'll get into my personal reasons first. I'm sorry, what?
0: Oh, I, I was saying, please do. Like... Eat medicine is as playful and stuff like that as the doctors are uh especially in the emergency room it's it's super somber a lot of the time
1: yeah i mean um so my reasoning is quite dark actually and um, this is very specific too this isn't this won't be everyone's thing um but the problem i see with all these freshmen we just made fun of with the Grey's Anatomy quotes, and then the stickers will be ripped off in six weeks. It's that they know they want to go into medicine to help people, but the problem I see with that very specific reasoning is just how general it is, because there are very few people in this world that don't want to do what they're doing to help people. You know, uh, very obvious, gross examples of people who don't. Yeah, and there's yeah, plenty of ways you can sell a car, get someone around, help them with their job, nothing. Go to it. That's helping someone, and I guess that's that's probably not what they mean. But what that shows a deep into it. Like you ask a freshman, I want to help people. That's probably an acceptable answer. You ask someone right now where we're at. Well, I just want to help people. That's not a great reasoning because there has to be something deeper than that. So my I have very. When I was studying in college, um, I said I did good. That doesn't mean it was easy. Um, that's a, a, a misconception. When I was really down in the books, and I was like, man, why do I have to do this? This is stupid. I don't have to take these extra classes. I could just go and get my degree and find some job. Well, you sit there and think about it for me, it was, you know, I have such a f- desire to be the reason that say a mom and a, a child getting a, a bad car accident and you know it's pretty pretty graphic you know they're very hurt i want to be the reason that they can see each other in the morning it just i i, I felt like that's my life calling and and i i want to disclaimer not everyone's going to feel this strongly at first that's just me i knew it's what i wanted to do i mentioned uh last last time that um i saw a graphic scene my first pep and i was like that you know, that excited me and then there was a scene when i was in college it was like yeah it's exciting but it's also um you're gonna There's be, real, be, yeah if you've if, gotten a small window if you fa- if you fail you just don't lose your <laughs> adrenaline high you're gonna have to print your name on a death certificate So it made it as in, like, oh, I could go rock climbing for the same effect. Or I could use my knowledge to keep someone alive. And I I just, that was, I felt that. I was like, I love science. I love biology. I love these little things. If I can know how to prevent death, that's really what I wanted to do with myself. And these are both very somber, graphic examples. Yours doesn't have to be like that. You can just want to see people um, in your community in good health. That's yeah, a great I reason. Mean, I mean, um,
0: uh, one of the one of the reasons I cited on uh, on my AMCAS and everything was uh, my my pediatrician was just such a uh, he, he was just such a goofball. Like if you hadn't told me. That, uh, what medicine was all about as a little kid, um, uh, I, I would have just thought been like, Oh, doctors, you, you mean, you mean the clowns without the makeup? <laughs> like, he was just an absolute goofball. And, uh, it, he, he made me like, he, he gave me a vision of what a doctor could be. Mm. Just so relaxed. And so, uh, so energetic. He was a fun dude. Um, so yeah, you you can you can definitely just have a story like that and be like, mm, yep, he he made me feel all better when I was sick. So yeah, I want to I want I to return the favor, as long as you have a drive to keep doing that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I'll say because it was an adrenaline rush when I was in high school. It was an adrenaline rush when I was in college, but um something happened during one of my um, shadowing trips, and th- and this is to answer your question, Micah you'll either know immediately or when you go exploring and you should go exploring. You should shadow your hometown doctor. If that's good and easy, you know, your freshman, sophomore, I recommend doing it early because you don't want to go through your junior year doing what we had to do. If it's not for you, but, um, so obviously trauma was an adrenaline rush for me, but I was in the ER one day and I'm going to spare the graphic scenes, but, there was a person um, who was in danger of losing their life, and um, they were doing all they could in, to to go ahead and spoil the end of this. He made it just fine. They were able to stop what was going on. But to hear him beg for his life, um, he was begging God. He was praying so loudly you could hear it three hallways over. That really kind of turned the adrenaline off because it wasn't, You know, oh, this is a rush. I got to do that. It was, if I don't solve this problem in 30 seconds, I'm going to have to escort this man to the basement, to the morgue. And it was Mm -hmm. a very somber experience. I have never really been that scared of anything. But once I heard him say some of these words, I was like, oh, my God. That's it just it was real. It wasn't Grey's Anatomy anymore. It turned real. So, you know, get out, shadow. Learn what you want to do. Research it. It's the best way to do it. We're in the age of Google. You never have to wonder about anything unless unless your phone is dead. So that's what I would recommend Pretty doing. Much. Whew, that was a little dark. Let's let's move to uh, what? Lighten up. Hmm. Lighten it up. Yeah. 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 Um, let's. So we're going to move into our final topic this week. Is um. What should you do in college? You know, what clubs should you be a part of? Should you join a fraternity? No. <laughs> I'm joking. We'll talk about Greek life, but, um, you know, what clubs? Should you take extra classes? You know, things that are going to make your resume look really good. And, um, yeah. So, Andrew, tell, tell us what you were involved in college. What, in terms of medicine... It doesn't have to be medicine. I mean, that's that's really what I think a big point should be is everything you do, don't. it doesn't have to just be about medicine. Do what you no, like definitely. and the people interviewing you will know it. And it, it's not always, well, um, I shadow this group because they study pediatrics. No, if you're like in a, where you make your own movies, little silly movies, and you're more interested in that, it's, it's, it'll be just, all that. it won't be just as good, but where your passion goes, they'll know about it. So, Andrew, tell tell me about some of what you did in college. Tell me about your extracurriculars.
0: Oh, so uh, I really didn't do much as uh, as far as like med- medicine related. Um, I, th- I think the only two things I had on my on my MCAT or my MCAS resident my AMCAS application was um uh, was that I did a number of shadowing hours. I think it was like around hundred, hundred fifty. I don't know if somewhere in that range. And then, uh, and then I had a job at a, uh, at a Kroger pharmacy of all places, just dealing with people. So, uh, I, I knew I'd wanted to go into medicine and I, uh, I went for it, but in terms of what I did involving it,
2: not a whole lot. Uh, the
0: other things i did were um uh, for the past like 10 years yeah roughly uh i have been involved in martial arts so i'm an active uh practitioner of kenpo and may seem weird that uh that someone who wanted to be a doctor really bad uh has been learning how to break someone apart for 10 years but you know, it just it just appealed to me because it's a it's a whole body workout and uh, there's there's a certain elements of philosophy behind it that I, I really like learning about. Then uh, another thing I did was uh, I was a peer tutor for uh, for UK. Uh, I worked at both the study, which is a on campus peer tutoring service where you walk in it's free, and then I worked for the math department. Uh, doing uh, either like helping to lead recitations or uh, or working in another like uh, walk-in tutoring thing, I did both of those for three years of my college, uh, and I was a calc one through four tutor. So uh, any calculus problems, you you came to me. That's kind of how I got the nickname around some of some of my friends as like the math wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so, uh, so there was that. The the biggest thing that I did was uh, Camp Kesem, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. That is a for anyone that's not heard of it. Uh, if you go to a school, I would highly recommend you try and find a chapter in this because it was life changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the biggest thing I did was Camp Kesem, where it's a it's a free summer camp hosted. Uh, one week out of the year, and it is for children whose parents have been afflicted with some sort of cancer, and they can either be in remission or or still afflicted by it or, or have passed away from it. But it's uh, it's the only camp that targets that specific demographic, and it allows the kids to come together, get away from the whole like parent cancer thing, because that can be really stress-inducing on a kid. And also kind of ostracizing, because how many kids do you know at your school who had to deal with a parent's cancer?
3: Hmm.
0: Right. So uh, it it gives them it gives them a way to, like, step away from all that and hang out with other kids who are going through the same thing and just be kids again for a week. And uh, during the middle of the week, we have something called empowerment, which is uh, everyone kind of telling their story. and a lot of tears get shed there. We all uh, we all kind of fall apart together, uh, but that, that's that's what makes the camp stronger the next day.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, yeah, it just it just gives them a spot to really grow past what's going on, or help cope with it better, you know. Because mm-hmm. maybe you're going through something that another kid who's been a camper for like three years. Uh, experienced you know eight or nine years ago and that camper can now kind of guide the other person it's great but uh i i did uh four four tours of duty with uh, with camp Cassum as far as like attending the summer camp uh, as a as a counselor and uh my last three years i was a coordinator uh, first, I was a operations coordinator, which basically means I helped to set up the activities for the camp. Then I was a volunteer coordinator, which means I organized the people around the camp, and then I was the TLC leader, uh, which is um, uh, basically like the team leadership program. TLP, mm. not TLC. TLC is learning channel. <laughs> mm. uh, I was the TLP coordinator, and uh, so I was heavily involved in that. I had uh, somewhere around 800 hours fit it into just there because I, I loved it that much.
1: It's a very powerful program. Um, I was interested in it once you told me about it. Um, I never really ended up doing anything about it, but just just what you guys do is, is so superhero-ish that it's kind of hard to, to put into words, honestly. I, I don't call it
0: superhero-ish. That is that's that's a big over exaggeration uh it's it, it's honestly just being uh, channeling channeling as much of your inner child as possible for a week, um uh, hanging out with some really cool kids and uh just trying not to think about what kind of a situation they're in. That's all you do
1: I mean, but sometimes being human is is more like being superhuman and especially at that age. So I would say that that's amazing. Oh, uh, What the
0: kids do, definitely <laughs> superhuman. God, I can't imagine going through what they did, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. Very, very amazing program. If your school, whatever school you end up going to or are going to has a chapter,
1: go for it. Yeah. That's good advice.
0: I had never even been to a summer camp beforehand. <laughs> Uh, but i was just like oh yeah i could be a counselor hopefully i don't you know screw these kids up <laughs> and then it turned out fine
1: wow that's that's a great story man i don't even know how i'm gonna follow that up um so with I mean, me uh so now we're gonna get a lot of love letters for andrew in the the email box um <laughs> i didn't quite go that route um I didn't have a lot of volunteer hours, which is something I kind of regret, but I would say a big part of college, like I mentioned earlier, don't just do stuff because you think it'll look good because then you won't be in it, but um so I think I kind of started my thing off with I uh, I have started my own charity, which sounds impressive until I describe it. So, like I said, not a lot of um extracurricular education goes on in Appalachian high schools. At least Mont, i can speak for mine so i would uh organize talks it mostly was it was pretty casual but I, i'd get PowerPoint. Oh, i'd yeah. go down there talk about it um and then yeah, i tagged along with you for one of those oh yeah that. Um, oh god that was right yeah i think i think it was the first one and uh yeah very casual and uh, I'd go down there and talk. Um, I, I never got past my high school. I was I was looking to expand. I had some contacts. Those contacts didn't email me back any. And then COVID happened. So to the point that I would call it a charity as of now is uh, I wouldn't because it, it's inactive and I just don't have enough time with medical school to to organize it to any significant degree. But that was my thing, and it still is this podcast is kind of an extension of that in a way. So we can do this remote COVID safe. It doesn't cost any money. It doesn't cost anyone any money. So that was my big thing. I loved it. Um, um, other things I did in college. Wow. I didn't do a lot, but what I did, I did a lot of. So shadowing, um, mm-hmm. I shadowed at least 200, 250 hours, which the A recommends. Um, about 40 it's like 40 yeah yeah. it's It's, not a a whole lot no i could have got that in two weeks sometimes because Mm -hmm. what i would do is i was you know trauma emergency i shadowed a surgical oncologist for a lot of hours best doctor Mm -hmm. i've ever met i'm not gonna name drop but if he ever listens to this thank you so much mike thank you 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 have a big impact on me but I would shadow trauma a lot. And um, and I wouldn't just shadow trauma. I would try my best to become trauma. So yeah, I'd go.
0: lived in the emergency department, and, like trauma departments for a um, while there. Yeah,
1: because um, I had this one girl in my high school. It was a year before, after me? Yeah, she was a year after me. She was just all over Instagram talking about, I got the head at so-and-so's trauma surgery team. I'm shadowing him at nine in the morning. And nine in the morning for trauma is a joke. If you're going for trauma, that's just their critical mm-hmm. care rounds. It's not a joke. I mean, it's not what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's their critical but care but rounds. It's not, when they, it's not when they're in their prime time. No, no, not even a little. And nine o'clock, now that I've been on the ward so many times, is downtime almost because they round at seven, usually at this hospital. And then they take notes for the rest of the day. They'll come in at like noon, 11 ish. I think that's mostly when they do their second round for you to brag about being with that surgeon from nine to 11, when they're not really doing anything is, is pathetic. I'll say this to this person specifically, but um, I would go in at like 6 PM on Saturdays and Friday nights. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't leave until 4 a.m. Now am I gonna say that's the best time to do trauma? You know what? Not really, because trauma happens at an instant. No one can predict when it happens. Mm -hmm. Would I ever give up the hours I spent sitting in a rolly chair? And this is gonna sound a little hypocritical because I made fun of (laughs) fun of that person, but there's something different about waking up having your Starbucks then sitting there with the team of surgeons who were there, they're, you know, they're doing notes. I, I made fun of that too, but it's three in the morning. No one wants to be there. And then you realize what trauma surgery is at that point, because it, it occurred to me and I talked to this one surgeon, I won't name drop him, but I said, okay, so this seems kind of boring. He said, oh, trauma surgery isn't exciting. You are the surgeon when no one's here to do surgery. So if oh,
3: you ha- terrifying
1: to think yeah, about if, if someone has an emergency and maybe not even like, Oh God, my, my leg is gone. It's, Oh, yeah. I have appendicitis and it cannot wait for a general in the morning. So mm-hmm. you do it, which obviously they're very, quali- very well trained, very qualified to do that. But I think that was so much more powerful than had I seen a gunshot wound to the chest surgery and them yeah. frantically. So that's what you expected. Mm-hmm. That's what everyone expected. That's your Grey's mm-hmm. Anatomy moment. That's what this person wanted to see. But it was so much more powerful to see what it isn't than what it is. So mm-hmm. that was the thing I was most proud of was how many hours I had. Um, my talks, I love those. I joined um, – one program, I'm not going to name drop it because I still want their support someday. And um, college is learning what you don't want to do, too. So a couple things, I just didn't want to do it. I did some undergrad research. In fact, I had two years with a lab. Um, I would have never went for my PhD. I just wasn't interested in it. And um, yeah. other than that, um, I had a lot that's, of stuff. That's something, mm-hmm. that's something I want to comment on real quick mm-hmm.
0: is... Uh, the The need for people, um, I see this a lot in premeds, and uh, let me say, talking to uh, talking to some PhDs and talking to people who work in the lab, just on in general, uh, these pre-meds come in and they foam at the mouth to get um, uh, into research because they're like, I need it for my application, and so they go and work in a lab, and the 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 lab uh, usually like the the primary uh, primary investigator, whoever, will be like, oh, why do you want to work in the lab? And if the person answers, well, because I want to go into medical school, then uh, that, that PI hates you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, research is great to have on an application, but you don't need it. And you especially don't need it if it's something you have no interest in. <laughs> don't do that to yourself and don't do that to to like uh, some guy who's just trying to research something he is really passionate about.
1: Yeah. That's one so, thing I'll say about research that's is
0: big um... for me. That's a huge pet peeve for me is people who just like insist on having research. You don't need it. I never did any research and I, and I got in like, don't worry about research. You're fine. Do it. If you love that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Um... Or if
0: you want to figure out if you love that kind of thing.
1: Yeah, that was me. I I thought I would like it. I went in it. Um, maybe this specific lab was just kind of slow at the at the time. They were trying to get more funding. Things were a little slow. At it. But you had interest
0: in what was being researched at yeah,
1: first. But I stayed there for longer than I wanted to, so I can't give my eh. more than that. that happens. Um, but, um, you know, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea and I never had a successful, not even a successful mini experiment. It was, I didn't do anything <laughs> right in that lab. And, but I learned a lot of life lessons there because I, you know, it's, um, so talking about lab and clinical stuff, a good life lesson. I'll never forget this moment is, uh, I was talking about, I was a little concerned about, you know, my GPAs. It was good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, comparative, it was great. I was like, well, I'm not a four o. When my my researcher was like, I've seen a lot of four os come through labs, and they are if they're a a competent three o will do so much better than an incompetent four o. So just because this person has the grades doesn't mean that they have what it takes to to do something, which is yeah, powerful. That that goes kind of everywhere. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I mean, you, you can you can be a four zero just because you're a extremely good test taker, but you mm-hmm. pump and dump the information. Like yeah, as soon as it's, as soon as the test's done, you're like ah, throw it away. Yeah. Um,
1: other than that, I mean that that's my big spiel on research. I did two years of it. I didn't get a lot done. If my PI ever listens to this, I am so sorry. I was useless. <laughs> I was useless for your lab. I never did what I was supposed to do. Um, i didn't get anything done so I, I regret wasting this person's time and i they were here this i'm sorry but um i didn't like it so um you know and when they asked me about it in my interview they're like can you tell us more about what you did and i was honest i was like listen i don't know i i didn't do good i didn't like it i wasn't gonna pretend to like it so um so we're gonna move into some more people ask like what should you do in your spare time do what you want to do in your spare time but people ask us about greek life and i'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way um neither one of us are experienced in greek life and neither one of the, neither one of us are favorable to greek life
0: it never appealed to me
1: it never appealed to me and once i saw how stereotypical it was i will never endorse uh, yeah. greek life no i will never um i mean there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of movements now in higher education to abolish Greek life just because is of... there really
0: yes yeah um uh most Ivy league schools have already gone away with Greek life and it's starting to move through like um uh the other schools now mm-hmm. uh, because there's there's the element of like uh there's the element of like systemic racism in there where uh a lot of the times these fraternities started off as organizations that were very discriminatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the element of I think it's like 95% of Greek life participants are in the uh, upper upper middle class to upper class, and uh, like 5% are from the lower class. Mm. Um, uh, because of these exorbitant fees that you have to pay, uh, uh, sororities are, are a problem. Because there's a uh, there's like this heterogeneity going on there, where uh, they only accept people that are just like them already. So so uh, and they and they ask before they come in. Um, I've I've heard accounts from a couple different students at UK that were like when they joined a specific sorority, they were asked, you know, how much does your family make? Um, uh, you know, what do you do? Blah, 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 blah. It's like questions that they had no right to be asking if they were just like an innocent organization. Mm. You know, so I cannot abide by by Greek life. I I hate the idea of paying like, you know, $5,000 per semester just to get drunk with buddies that aren't going to do well for your education uh, because they just want to get drunk too. Mm-hmm. Like, academic fraternities and academic sororities? Cool. They're probably a different story. Don't know, though. Never went to one of those. But the traditional fraternities and sororities I've seen, they have mainly been a destructive element. And I just can't... No. no, I... I would not advise anyone to go into to go into greek life i know i know some people that have had much different experiences though they they loved their fraternity and their fraternity brothers got them through a lot and
3: mm.
0: you know probably because they didn't go to a big university where fraternities were such like a party school type deal but it's yeah yeah From um, what I've seen of them, i don't like them
1: yeah um I'll say that like a lot of people... I've had high school students ask me, and generally I have to avoid talking about it because usually we're in a school. But yeah. um, they'll be like, oh, is is joining a fraternity worth it? And I'm like, well, given that I was an Appalachian, no, because like Andrew said, it costs a lot of money. It's, it's really not a joke. Stereotypes? I wish I could say that the stereotypes are wrong, but they're not at all. I mean, traditional no. fraternities especially... Academic fraternities can be variable because I've heard some horror stories about some, and then some. It's just yeah. what you think. It's just some nerds getting together to talk about engineering, and um, um, I can't advise it. Um, my brother was in a fraternity. It cost a lot of money. He couldn't pay it because holy crap, who can pay quadruple digits for one, especially mm. in this scenario? It's it's I. <sighs> If you're going yeah. into Greek life realizing what it's going to be, then more power to you. But I can't pretend that Greek life is actually a good thing. I can't because they'll do like yeah. one volunteer. The best, thing,
0: the best thing it does is it opens up leadership positions mm. for you to get a hold of. Um, uh, but there's a lot of other ways to do that.
3: Mm. Uh, the
0: uh, one of the things that was mentioned to me by by uh margaret who uh i feel i feel confident name dropping her she's just an absolutely lovely woman that was me and scotty's mentor (laughs) as far as like going to medical school and like making sure applications look good um
2: yeah margaret was always like uh if,
0: if they see you doing a lot of volunteer work for your fraternity or sorority they know that that is mandated by the fraternity or sorority. So they don't care about it anymore.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm, yeah.
0: So don't do it for volunteer
1: hours. That was, like that. that was what they I was going to say is a lot of fraternities that they'll do volunteer work, but mm-hmm. I don't want to say they're, they're doing it for optics because then it discount, they do good work. You know, when you go and volunteer, it doesn't matter why you're there, you're doing good, but, it is a lot of optics, like how this looks. So if they get in any trouble, they can say, hey, well, we, we did that. Better. Yeah, Maybe. we did that. So um keep that in mind. I'm not going to say that's why every fraternity does. It. Obviously, that's not true. But mm-hmm. um I, I would say that that's probably a big reason why. I, I'm sure... Fraternity bros aren't going to love this episode, but I I can't endorse a fraternity or a sorority because the the problems run throughout and um, even through academics, some of these problems exist.
0: Yeah. Like I said, not going to endorse one,
1: but I know there's some out there that truly
0: are different, and there's some people that are really passionate about it, and that's fine. That's amazing. You know, do, do if you have a passion, go for it. If you mm. if you found like decent, amazing connections in uh in your fraternity or sorority that's awesome but from what i've seen i don't like them
1: yeah i mean and i can I'm, always be from my experience i'm not going to discount that it is a great social organization if you mm-hmm. fit into that culture if you if, because i know a girl i went to high school with um you know she's been as a sorority i'm not, ugh, not no no details but that was a good place for her that was how she was socially so you know if and the point is good for talking about medical school, talking about what it's going to add to your life. It's not going to add anything to your life that isn't mostly social.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And, um, yeah, I, yeah, I'll, I'll end my comments there. Okay. Andrew, uh, I think we gave fraternities a business, well, you know, like I said, you know, if you want to join, do it. But if you ask me if I can recommend them, no. And, um, we're we're about to clean up here and in this, but um, thanks for the person who emailed. If you want to email us, please do. We'll answer any questions on air, obviously, if they're appropriate. I mean, I'm not going to answer anything that's inappropriate. It's um, Steph O'Show podcast at Gmail. Please answer questions. Thank you, Micah, for being the first person to send us a question. And I don't think I addressed this earlier, but how to find a mentor through all we've given you, all the things just go out, put yourself out there and you'll find someone who wants to help you. I promise
0: you. Just actively state how much you want to be in medicine and meet people or, uh, you know, like apply to places. I foreshadowing. I literally just emailed any doctor that I could find. That was it. (laughs) That's, that's literally it. It's very easy to find a mentor if you're searching.
1: Yeah. That's how I found Mike. I just emailed doctors for this program he, he was new. He was a hotshot stud. Just came in from an Ivy League. He said, Yeah, come on. And I'll always remember that. So yeah, you don't have to, to know anybody very well to get a great mentor. You'll find them. Don't overcomplicate it. No. That will conclude this episode of Steph the Show. We hope everyone has a, a safe schooling especially if you're in high school or college things are really complicated and um, email us if you have questions and if not have a good day everybody this has been the show thank you so much